Good evening, this is Quintus Curtius, and welcome back to the podcast. And this podcast is going to be another movie roundup. And we'll be reviewing and discussing a couple movies that I've seen recently, one of which was The um, the Joker, or just Joker, released this year in 2019. And it's been a very, I don't want to say, maybe not a controversial movie, but a movie that's been featured a lot in the media and the press. And also... Uh, the Killing Fields, which I've seen several times and saw again. It's a 1984 movie, but I wanted to review it and talk about it because it's it's becoming clear to me that, that a lot of the younger folks just don't know about a lot of these old movies, these good classic films from the 80s. And I think it's important to talk about them just to keep interest in them alive uh, because uh, it's it's just uh, it's it's part of our heritage. It's part of our, our film uh, film ethos. So let's talk about the Joker here. Let's talk about the Joker. And you've probably heard various different histrionics in the media about this movie, about what it is or what it purports to be or what it might be or what someone will interpret about it. But I wanted to see it for myself just to see what I could learn from it and what, what I could conclude from it. And I wasn't disappointed. It's a, it's a movie that's worth seeing. And let's talk about it a little bit here. It's directed by Todd Phillips, who I did not know as a director, and I, I googled him, and his Wikipedia page says his, his previous credits include movies like The Hangover, which was a very, very popular film, Starsky and Hutch, which was not, and various other B-movies that you may not have heard of. So I think this is his real, his real stab at, at, um, at real artist, artistry, and he does a very good job. He does a very good job here because this movie has a lot to talk about. It has a lot to talk about. Um, the uh, obviously a movie like this, it's a it's it's an origin story about the baddest of the bad bad guys in the Batman ethos or mythos, uh, the Joker, and he's never really had a legitimate background story before. No one's really ever given him this sort of treatment. If you if you follow the comics, if you're familiar with the the history of Batman, which I'm. Not really. I mean, I'm 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 a quasi fan. I mean, I'm not like a Batman fanatic. I know a little bit about just from having grown up in the '70s and '80s, just having read the comics. Uh, there are various different stories given about the Bat, uh, the, the the Joker's origins. There are some some uh, stories that say he fell in a vat of acid. There are some that say he was an escapee from a insane asylum. So the Joker is one of these these trickster characters that appear a lot in in western uh in the western tradition and in, in mythology uh some scholars have compared him to the uh, to the, the in norse mythology the loci the, the the joker and i'm sure he has some analogs in classical mythology i can't really think of any but i'm sure there must be some out there if i really if i really if i really searched for it but the Joker is is a is a very is a very compelling character. Let's face it. Let's face it. Everybody loves the Joker because he seems to embody this uh, anarchic energy and intensity that just seeks to disrupt and destroy without any clear purpose. And there's nothing more frightening in the world than someone, a bad guy, whose motivations that we can't really divine we can't really figure out what motivates them 
if they're mo- if they're not motivated by money or any rational motive, someone like that becomes very frightening because they can't really be, as uh, as the character said in the, the movie The Terminator, they can't be reasoned with or bargained with or dealt with. They don't feel pity or pain, and they absolutely will not stop. <laughs> if you remember, Kyle Reese said in in The Terminator. And that's what the Joker is. I think that's one of the fascinations of the Joker character is it's this he embodies this this oh this demonic intensity that that's sort of every man's alter ego. And I think every man in many ways has a a dark side that maybe we project onto him this this uh this unreasoning anarchic character that just seeks to disrupt and destroy. So that's the that's the basis of of the uh, of the movie, and I think the best way to see this movie is to see it and interpret it as an origin story. An origin story. It's 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 about the character. I think we start to go astray if we try to project onto this movie our own fears, our thoughts, our political beliefs, our social beliefs, because that's not that's not the right way to approach it. I think the author, I think the, I think the director very cleverly tries to play to maybe some popular currents that are going on out there. Uh, but everyone can uh, interpret that, can project onto that in its own way, and I think that's in many ways one of the one of the clever mechanisms that the director Todd Phillips has used to garner attention for his movie, to try to deliberately make it controversial, to try to evoke things that we might uh, recognize or sympathize with but for me for me as a 50 year old man i'll i will tell you what things resonated with me about it for what that's worth Uh, number one one of the things that jumped out jumped out at me which i liked and i appreciated was he set them the film is set in the early 80s in, in new york city i think in 1981 or 1980 which was a pretty bad time for the city. I'm not. I'm not a New Yorker, but I'm. I'm aware of what was going on at the, around that time. You know, there had been riots. There had been a uh, in 19. I think 76 or 77. There had been some serious riots during the blackout in New York. Uh, it was. It was a rough period. It was a grungy, dark, very dismal period in in the history there. There was a lot of bad things going on. I. I do remember, and I think this movie did speak to this and I, I haven't heard any other commentator talk about this but the uh, the subway vigilante the Bernard Getz uh, shootings and I think it was which is 1981 or 2 or 1980 I can't remember exactly but you may not remember but this was a, a big news piece in the early 80s this was a guy a marginalized loner named Bernard Getz who shot um, and incapacitated some muggers on a subway in in uh, in New York City, and the, this incident is not really referred. Well, the, well, there is a there is a a, a, a a subway shooting in the movie, which, to my mind, recalled that incident. And I don't know if the director was deliberately trying to do that, but that's something was something to me that um, that resonated. But anyway, the movie really centers on a a marginalized, uh, mentally disturbed young man, or well, maybe not that young, but he seems like in, he seems like in his he's in his early thirties, and he lives with his mother, his in, incapacitated mother, whom he takes care of. But he himself is on seven different medications, and he sees 
social services people. He clearly has mental issues. He's also an aspiring comic. And this is a guy who works during the day uh, doing different gigs as a clown for hire. Like he'll be hired by stores to announce sales. He'll go to, uh, you know, children's hospitals, do performances, various different things like that. And the movie really shows his steady progression from a somewhat, well, he, he always has had a tenuous, uh, a very sketchy hold on reality, reality, but this guy suffers a series of mishaps. You know, he gets fired from his job, he gets abused, he gets uh, assaulted, he gets uh, demeaned in various ways. And these incidents trigger a certain spiral. And it sends him into a downward spiral, and he essentially retaliates by adopting this persona, this uh, this Joker persona, this all-powerful persona, to, um, I, I suppose, compensate for the, the, the situation that he's in. So... It's a very personal story. It's told from a, a very personal, personalized perspective. You know, we see it from his, we see him going about his business and his, his apartment, his interactions with his co-workers. And um, the movie makes certain nods to, to its cultural predecessors. Chief of, if you're a movie buff like I am, you know you can see clear references in here to Taxi Driver, the movie Taxi Driver, 1976. You can see references to uh, The King of Comedy, uh, both of which are Robert De Niro vehicles. And it's no accident at all that Robert De Niro appears in this movie as a, as a talk show host or as a variety show host, kind of fulfilling the same role that, that uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, or Jerry Lewis, I'm sorry, Jerry Lewis, not Jerry Lee Lewis, but Jerry Lewis fulfilled in the movie King of Comedy. So there's clear references to now it's not the movie doesn't rip off those films. It's I would say they're they're simply nods in the direction of those those films. But those movies were much grittier. Those were those movies were much those were Scorsese films. I mean they, they were much they were much grittier, much I think in many ways darker, much edgier. And obviously, I'm not going to fault this guy for Todd Phillips for not measuring up to Scorsese. I mean, who does, you know? But uh, Phillips wisely does not stray too far beyond the realm of what he can do. This is an origin story. And Phillips makes it very clear throughout the film that he doesn't intend it to be anything other than an origin story. So all these critics that are trying to project onto this movie their own fears about, you know, incels and uh, marginalized people and safety and all this other stuff are very misplaced. It's very misplaced. And when I saw this this film, um, there was actually a police officer in the theater, which to me says a lot about, you know, it, it just it just kind of says a lot about where we are as a society more than it says about the movie, because I didn't find anything in the movie that is suggestive of violence or encouraging violence or any, anything like that. Uh, kind of reminds me of the, all the fuss and the nonsense about the Warriors. When this this movie, The Warriors, which I think came out in the early 80s also, I think 82 or 81, or I don't remember, there were all these fights that broke out of the movie and then I guess there were some shootings and things and everybody just lost their minds. 
and the movie got blamed for inciting violence and there were some theaters that would not show it but when you look at it today it looks very tame and I, I predict the same thing will happen with the Joker I think when people look at Joker say five years from now ten years from now they're gonna say what was all the fuss about this this is just a this is just a, a, a story so let me let's first talk about the strong points of the movie it's a it's a very very well done character study of this Arthur Fleck this character that that's portrayed by Joaquin Phoenix does a very very good job the camera lingers for a long time on all of his obsessions his worries his his uh, his um, uh, laughing impulse he has this involuntary impulse and in laughing so the movie really spends a lot of time uh, about that but one, one of the I think that I think the movie's biggest biggest strong point which no one has talked about the biggest strong point here with this film is it gives us a very very specific reason why Arthur Fleck or Joker has a grudge against the Batman it's a very specific a very specific um, uh, obsession and it has to do with family I'm not going to reveal it I'm not going to talk about it too much but there's something very very personal that's revealed in here where where uh, he uh, where uh, Arthur Fleck finds out from his mother or from some of his mother's writings about his um, uh, about a reason why he might have a grudge against the Wayne family against the Wayne family and by extension Bruce Wayne it's very particular it's very specific and it makes all the sense in the world and this was what I really liked about this movie because it showed it, it elevated maybe the it, it, it maybe elevated the Joker from just being this um, random um, faceless voiceless anarch anarchic force to someone who has a very specific and legitimate grievance a very specific and legitimate grievance and uh, you'll have to see the movie to really understand what I'm talking about once, once you see it you'll understand and then you can judge for yourself then you can judge for yourself but that was what what the uh, one of the strong points I liked about the movie but I liked again I liked the I liked the early 80s grungy feel the decayed New York City feel to it the Bernard Getz references, the references to Taxi Driver, the references to King of Comedy, both of movies which a lot of people, millennials, have certainly have not seen, which they should see. I keep forgetting. It's one of the things as you get old, you forget how you sometimes you just forget how old you are. You, know, you wake up. I mean, I'm I'm 50 years old. I mean, I, I turn around. And I say, how the hell did this happen? It happened because of the progression of years, brother. That's just how it happens. I mean, and as fast as it happened to me, it's going to happen to you too. So, smarten up, and you'll um, you'll you'll find out what it's like. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, the movie is very good in those uh, very very good in those respects. There are some weaknesses here. I will say there are some there are some minor weaknesses. I would not call them. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, game-changing drawbacks. There are some minor weaknesses. I think it goes on a little bit too long. I think the camera lingers a little bit too much on his little dances in his room and his kind of his uh, gnarly, grisly body. You know, I don't, I don't. Do we really need? Do we really need to see that? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You can, you can decide. But all in all, 
this is a worthy, probably the, I will say, my, my final verdict on Joker is, this is the greatest origin story for a, for a comic book character that's been done yet. I will say that. It's, the, it's a legitimate attempt to put a human face behind one of the most mysterious and compelling uh, uh, bad guys in, in uh, comic book fiction, if you want to call it that. And we do this all the time. You know, the, these types of things have legitimate literary prede um, predecessors. In the ancient world, you know, many poets, you know, uh, Apollonius, you know, wrote wrote his poem on uh, Jason and you know, Argonautica, wrote his own, his own take on Jason and the Argonauts. Other poets wrote their own take on Jason and the Ar Argonauts. Some storytellers would talk about, you know, there, there, there were certain stock characters in the ancient world and also in the medieval world, certain stock characters. And every writer would maybe do his own riff on that character. And that's all this is. These comic book characters have, in, in many ways, taken the place of the classical canon of, of uh, mythology. And that was one of the great things I remember about the movie, um, uh, what was it, that, uh, that uh, M. Night Shyamalan movie, what was it called, uh, uh, Unbreakable, where Samuel Jackson, he has a comic book uh, art gallery or whatever, and he talks about comic book characters of in many ways, are the modern successors of classical mythology. And there's a lot of truth to that. It's a very, very observant statement. But the Joker has become kind of just another another one of these myth mythological figures, just like Jason or Achilles or Odysseus or whatever. Now, we don't talk about the classical heroes as much as we used to. Maybe we should. But everybody knows about the Joker. Everyone knows about Batman. And this movie holds out the tantalizing prospect that the Joker and the Batman may have a lot more intimate connections than anyone has ever appreciated or talked about. And you'll have to see the movie to understand what I mean about that. You'll have to see the movie. And I think it's worth seeing. It's worth seeing. It's not the greatest classic ever created, okay? I'm not going to uh, go that far. But it's a worthy origin story it's a worthy origin story so see it if you can and uh, appreciate it for what it is you know again certain certain stock characters have a way of like you know in the same thing in with shakespeare characters like hamlet like macbeth um you know like richard the third all of these characters there's there's a reason why Shakespeare's plays are redone every generation or every every so many years because every new every generation has to do its own riff on these characters, and that's the same thing I think with these comic book figures. Every every generation has to uh, supply its own take has has provide its own riff on these characters. So that's that's why you should see this movie and that's how you should interpret it. All right. So enough about Joker. Let's move on very quickly here to to The Killing Fields, a 1984 movie by directed by Roland uh, uh, Joff, Joffe, I think. Very, very good movie. I'm not going to talk very much about this movie because I think you can find all you need to find uh, about this movie. But see it if you haven't seen it. The, basically, this movie is, is, I think, one of the most effective and, and meaningful movies. Um, 
explorations of friendship, suffering, and heroism that's ever been put on film. It's a very, very great movie, and it's it's basically centers on the friendship and working camaraderie between two journalists, uh, Sidney Schonberg by the of the New York Times, and his assistant, his Cambodian um, translator and assistant or uh, co-worker uh, Dith Pran. And the backdrop, the political backdrop is. The, the collapse or the fall of the Cambodian government in 1975 to the Khmer Rouge revolutionary movement, communist revolutionary movement, which I shouldn't even have to say this, but I th I'm afraid that I do. This was a bloodthirsty and a terrifyingly ruthless uh, communist uh, uh, primitivist movement, which took power in Cambodia and basically carried out a, a horrific genocide on the population, uh, just just you know, murdering millions of people who had had any any uh, ties to modernity or education or the old old system. I don't want to go into all that because you can find that all that in, in the in the popular press if you're interested. But the movie centers on that on that backdrop. But it's a very very tense, very 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 intelligent, very exciting, very intense film which focuses on the relationship between these two men and how Cambodia falls to the Khmer Rouge and how um, uh, Dithpran, who is left behind, who cannot escape, has to escape from a Khmer Rouge labor camp. So you need to see this movie. You need to see this movie. You, you need to see this movie, period. There's no, there's no debate about this. You need to see it, period. There's no discussion involved here, so please, please see the film. Uh, it's not perfect. Uh, it, well, it's it's very close to being perfect, but there are some there are some few. Seeing it again, I, I had not seen it in a number of years, but seeing it again made me conscious of a. There's a few political. There's a few you know mid '80s political uh, flavors to it that I I might find objectionable. The the the, the director seems to imply in a few places that. You know, it was the United States may have had a hand or a contributing hand here in the in the the agony that Cambodia endured. I, I you know, I I think that I, I don't believe that. Uh, you know, to be, to put it very briefly, during the Vietnam era, during the Vietnam War, it was Cambodia that did not have the will or the military power to stop. North Vietnam from establishing sanctuaries along its border with North and South Vietnam. So they they got pulled into the war. And when the United States lost the Vietnam War and pulled out, Cambodia found itself faced with its own communist insurgency, which was backed by Beijing, backed by the Chinese. The Khmer Rouge was backed by the Chinese. Let's not forget that. And Cambodia was, uh, by that time, America had just cut its losses in Southeast Asia. The, America wanted nothing to do with anything involving Southeast Asia. So America basically just left. And, and Cambodia was faced with the full force of this uh, Khmer Rouge insurgency. And the people that are responsible for that genocide is the Khmer Rouge, period. No one else. No one else can be... Uh, that 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 disaster cannot be laid laid at the doorstep of any, anyone else, except the Khmer Rouge. Period, in my view. So uh, there are some f a few little comments in there that imply that somehow our bombing in Cambodia somehow you know triggered this, and I say to that bullshit, bullshit. That's just bullshit. 
Okay, but in any case, this is a great movie, a fantastic film, just based on uh, the criteria of cinematic art. So you should see it. All right, so that will conclude our podcast here for today. I'm Quintus Curtius. Good night. <laughs>